0: Um, we've showed that before, and um, uh, this is our last Christianese uh, message this morning. And I uh, was praying about what to do, and I came back to hedge of protection, and so that's actually what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning. Is a hedge of protection. Before I get into it, I want to thank you guys. I don't know if uh, um, if you've been keeping up, but but the Nunley family has been rather busy this summer. Uh, we've been going and doing, and we're not done yet. Uh, but it's really good to be here uh, with you guys. I, it's been about two weeks since I've been able to share with you guys, and I always just get really, really anxious to share. So I'm going to try to dial it down and not not get too excited. Uh, but I'm, I'm really pumped. You know, I I love coming to church. I love it. It's not a chore. It's not something I have to do. It's something I really genuinely look forward to doing. I love you guys, and I love your heart uh, as you uh, pursue Jesus uh, altogether as one big family. Amen. And uh, so really excited um, about all that God is doing here. We've been doing this Christianese series. We've we've talked about a lot of different words and phrases. Um, Let me kind of give you a quick reminder of what Christianese is. Christianese is the insider language of the Christian faith. Uh, We use words and phrases that mean certain things to us, but they don't make sense to people outside of our faith. Uh, And so, you know, we're we're used to this, and there's nothing wrong with these words or phrases, but the problem is they need to be defined so that people aren't on the outside, we can bring them inside, okay? Um, And so, uh, we've talked about several different um, phrases here. We kicked things off, we talked about the anointing. The anointing is one of those things we talk about. Uh, it was defined as God's presence, providing God's power, producing God's purpose, and God's people. We talked about the word fornication. We talked about the fear of the Lord. Uh, Josh, our men's leader for this year, uh, spoke about speaking life and what that meant. Uh, bearing fruit was another phrase that we mentioned. Uh, peace be with you. A couple weeks ago, Tiffany shared, and how many of you got your, your peace bottle, your water bottle? Yeah, you got it up in a place where you can see it. I do too, um, close to where my kids are. And um, just choking, they're not here so I can make fun of them. Um, divine Appointments last week was great. My mom shared with you guys. Uh, it was just, It was a really good message. And then we're going to finish things up with the Hedge of Protection. A hedge. Now, I didn't realize this until I started studying for this message, but the hedge of protection is actually a biblical concept. It's not just something we pulled out of the air. Uh, and you don't have to turn there; you can if you want to. But Job one ten uh, is you know where uh, Satan comes before God and says, and God is bragging on Job and says, "Hey, have you checked out Job? Job is amazing, isn't he?" And the devil's like, "Look." He's only amazing because you give him everything he wants. And he says in verse 10, he actually says, Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? And back in those days, uh, a hedge was actually used for protection. Um, it was a lot easier to plant uh, a shrubbery around an area to keep out all the animals than it was to build a wall or, or use wood. It was cheaper, it was quicker uh, to actually put a hedge up, and so that's where it comes from, but... You know, we say these words and we pray, Lord, I just pray a hedge of protection. And my, my question to you is, does God really protect us? Now, of course, the religious answer right now, of course he does. But you know that things have happened in your life that didn't seem like God's protection. Can, can we be real this morning or do we have to play church? Can we, can we be real? There are things that have happened in your life, in my life. There are things happening right now in the world, this very second, that don't seem like God is protecting anyone. So how how do we, what do we do with that? We talk about protection, that God is a protector. But yet we have all experienced situations and for for many of us, we've gone through situations and it's hurt our hearts so badly that, that many of you in this room right now, even during praise and worship, there is a ceiling to your worship because if you're being honest with yourself, you're still a little bit ticked because of what God has allowed to happen to you. And so let's just face that. Let's not act like it's not there. Let's face this head on and let's look at the Lord's protection. Let me share some stuff with you, and then we'll get really practical when it comes to protection. Does God really protect us? The answer is yes. Absolutely. God is our protector. The word salvation that you read in your Bible when you say, you know, God brings about salvation, or with, with the heart one believes, with the mouth one confesses unto salvation, it's a Greek word, soteria, soteria, or soteria, if you, you know, want to sound like you know what you're doing. And it can be defined as several different words. Um, it can be salvation, which is how it's usually defined in English, translated in English. Deliverance. Now, deliverance is when something or someone has you bound and then they, they are dealt with so that you are now free. That's what deliverance is. Welfare. Welfare is the state of well-being. Prosperity. That's not just money, but it does include money. Preservation, where you are preserved, where you are kept, where, where there's something is unable to affect you negatively, that's preservation. And then lastly is safety or protection. So hidden within the word salvation is the concept of protection. Protection. So protection is a part of your salvation through Jesus Christ. So let's look at some of this. Let's look at a, a really well-known verse. This is Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. And you've, you part of this has, has become a sound bite in Christian circles. Uh, and I've got it up here on the screen. It says this one, no weapon formed. Have you ever heard that? Well, you know, brother, no weapon formed. Eh? Right? we turned it into that little sound bite. Let's look at this whole verse and let's see what it says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, first of all, whenever you're reading a passage of Scripture, you need to know who wrote it, who it was written to, when it was written, and why it was written. So we're in the book of Isaiah here, which is one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, one of the men that the Lord used to speak through to help direct and guide the people of Israel. And 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 Isaiah uh, is a is a beautiful book. It's an amazing book for all you nerds out there. It's one of the books of the Old Testament that we have in totality, in completion. We have uh, multiple copies of it. Uh, We know that it's Isaiah. There's no question. You know, sometimes, well, did someone else write it and put Isaiah? No. I mean, we. This is this is uh, this is very sound literature. And so Isaiah up through chapter 39 is a little rough. God's talking to his people and saying, hey, you haven't held up your end of the bargain here. You're not doing so hot as my people. It kind of feels like I'm being cheated on. And the first 39 chapters of the book are pretty harsh. You can read them if you want to. Just make sure that you're you're feeling good that day because it's going to be a little rough. Something changes around chapter 40. It starts talking about a new song, a new way of looking at things. And, uh, and it, he starts talking about what he's going to do and how he still loves his people. Chapter 53 is, is an amazing chapter where he talks about the coming Messiah. He actually describes the violence that's going to happen to the Son of God on our behalf. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Right? Is that familiar to you? And so that's, that's chapter 53. Then chapter 54, I encourage you, you can read this whole chapter sometime. It's beautiful. It's the promise to God's people after the Messiah has come. So he's talking about the future. He's saying after Jesus has come, after the Messiah has come, at that point, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn, because that's the heritage of the servant's Of the Lord. That's our heritage. The New Living Translation says these are the benefits of the servants of God. It's like a benefit. You know, you, you go to work and you have a job, you have wages, but you probably have some sort of benefits, whether it's health care or or a flex spending account or something like that, right? And it's a benefit above and beyond your payment. Well, if you think of your salvation, obviously it's a ticket to heaven. It's, it's eternity with Jesus, which is wonderful. But there are also benefits. And one of those is, is this protection that we read about. And so, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is one of the benefits of being a servant of God. But we see a couple of things interesting from this verse, and this is going to be the foundation that I want to base the rest of this message off of. It's two things. The first thing I want you to notice is that God, in this wonderful, beautiful promise, He never guarantees that bad circumstances won't happen. As a matter of fact, he says no weapon formed against you will prosper, but he doesn't say the weapon won't be formed. It's almost a guarantee that the weapon will be formed. It's just that when it is formed, it won't prosper. See, we, we we've got this idea in our heads that you know God is our cosmic genie that keeps us from anything uncomfortable in our lives. And if we just do the right thing and go to church enough and read enough of the Bible that he'll be good to us. And he'll never let anything bad happen to us. And when we've got that mentality, and inevitably something happens at the very least. Someone cuts you off in traffic. My Lord, people can't drive. Something happens and you think, your world comes crumbling down. Well, God didn't, God must not love me or God must... And, and, and all of a sudden, this, there's this rejection of your faith. But the problem is your faith was tied to a promise that God never made. He says no weapon formed will prosper. Now that's good news, but we've, but we've got to be realistic about what the word says. So he never guarantees that bad circumstances won't happen. Here's the other thing we can see from this verse. Is that you and I have a role to play. It says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, God shall condemn. What does it say? You shall condemn. That means you have a role to play in how God protects you. Do you see that from Scripture? Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. You shall condemn. So you have a role. You have a role to play. So I want to give you really quickly, we're going to talk about five ways to walk in divine protection, okay? Five ways to walk in divine protection. And the first one is this, and this is the most important one. If you need to check out later on, if you didn't get much sleep last night and you need to take a nap, do it after this point, okay? Because this is the most important point, all right? This is the most important one. Number one, develop your relationship with God. If you want to walk in protection, if you want to walk in divine protection, it is tied to your relationship with God. Look at Psalm ninety. Psalm that says one one. It's actually Psalm ninety one one. Psalm uh, ninety one. Psalm ninety one is known as a, uh, a, a chapter of protection, um, and it's it's one I memorized early on in my walk with the Lord and. Some of our children have it memorized, not all of them. But um, it, it's, it's one of those that, that's really, um, oh, they changed it. That's awesome. That was impressive, guys. Whew, I like that. Um, and so it's, it's one, of those, one of those whole chapters, again, that you can read and just, it, it, you know, it, it just gets you pumped up. God's goodness. But Psalm 91, verse 1, that, that kicks the whole Psalm of Protection off, it says this let me get the new king james version this is how i memorized it it says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty what, what does that mean what are these these are actual titles of god the most high is a, is a hebrew title for god el Yon, and it means the it means it means the highest the most The the highest honor, the highest praise, the most important, by a long shot, is what that means. And then, it says, "He, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, the Almighty is another title for God, and it means the biggest, baddest dude on the block. Okay? The biggest, baddest dude on the block. The most powerful By a long shot, is what that title for God means. What's he saying? He's saying, look, many of us, we want God to be the Almighty on our behalf, but we're not willing to make him the most high in our life. But God being the Almighty on your behalf only comes when you've made him the most high in your life. See, God's not a genie that you can rub a lamp and say, Lord, please help me not get in a car wreck today. The protection of God comes with the relationship with God. I love it says, he who dwells in the secret place. The secret place. That denotes intimacy. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. You know, your life, if you make it your mission to make God the most important in your life by a long shot, you're not going to have to worry about protection. You're not going to have to worry about him moving on your behalf. Divine protection is a byproduct of divine relationship. And we've got to work on that relationship instead of working on the protection. It's a byproduct. It comes with it. Have you ever been caught when it's raining outside and you didn't bring an umbrella? And so you're like looking, do I know someone with an umbrella? (laughs) And you get under that thing and you're walking. It's so awkward walking with someone else with an umbrella. Awkwardly close, bumping into each other. The far side of your body getting wet. (laughs) Right? But that's what it's like. It's like Jesus is holding an umbrella... And the umbrella is keeping the fiery darts of the enemy, the the attacks of the enemy, away. Your job, if you want protection, is to get under the umbrella where Jesus is. That's where the protection is. It's found in relationship with him. It's found in relationship with, with God. It's found in making him the most high so he can be the almighty for you. Are you with me? And so I just want to encourage you this morning that your relationship with God is the number one determining factor when it comes to your protection from God. The other way I want to show you that we walk in divine protection is to learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's turn to John chapter 10. John chapter ten. We're going to look at verses one through five here. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation of the Scripture here. Jesus is talking here. He's making a uh, to his disciples. He's making a distinction between two types of people that want to interact with the sheep. One is a thief who's going to try to steal sheep that don't belong to him. The other is the shepherd that wants to take care of the sheep and tend to them. So, John chapter 10, verse 1, says, I'll tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, or think of it as a, as a pasture where sheep are, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber, right? Now, if you drove past uh, a sheep farm, they have those around here? I don't think so. If, if you drove past a sheep farm and you saw a dude climbing a fence... Hop in the fence to go get near the sheep. Do you think that that guy's the shepherd of the sheep? No, because the shepherd surely would have an access point like a gate. He wouldn't have to climb over the fence. All right, this is what Jesus is saying. Surely he must be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper, that's God the Father, opens the gate for him, the shepherd, which is Jesus, and the sheep recognize his voice. And come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. It's so important for us to learn to hear the voice of the Lord. And and I don't have time to talk too much about this because we need to get to our other points. Uh, There is a sermon. It will be at the Welcome Center we did in the beginning of the year that said, I can hear the voice of God. And we talked the entire message about how to determine if it's God, what does God sound like. I encourage you to to get that. If they don't have copies made, you can put it in an order and they'll have them for you next week. Okay, Um, But but here's the good news. I've got some good news for you. Scripture says that my sheep hear my voice. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a sheep. You don't have to strive to hear the voice of God because Scripture says my sheep hear my voice. That's good news. That's really good news. The key to hearing the voice of God is to make yourself a sheep. Because his sheep hear his voice. Why is this? How does this relate with with protection? Well, it, it, if if we want the Lord to be the Almighty on our behalf, if we want the Lord to protect us from evil, we've got to learn to hear His instructions. This past week, uh, our family uh, took a vacation to Yellowstone National Park, which is somewhere i would wanted to go for a long time, and. Everyone around here, we all just tend to go to the beach because it's close, right? And I love the beach, but I was a little done with the beach, you know? And so I wanted to go see some mountains, some real mountains, not some hills. And so we, we uh, went out to, to Yellowstone. It was awesome, had a really good time. Has anyone ever been out there before? It was, it's gorgeous. It's, it's crazy. You're looking around like this. This really exists. Um, really cool stuff, like geysers exploding and steam like just fizzling out of the earth for no reason. It's like, oh, okay, that could kill me. You, you kind of feel like the earth wants to kill you around those parts. Um, but it's really beautiful. It's really cool. And, I, you know, whenever you, um, whenever the Lord gives me a message to share, usually he's got me in training for the few weeks before. Usually I'm going through circumstances that have to do with with what I'm going to be talking about. And uh, I had a couple of interesting uh, uh, examples uh, when it came to protection. One thing, uh, it, people not knowing how to drive is not only in South Georgia. It's evidently everywhere. So we're on this road, this highway, and these people are going so stinking slow. I mean, I'm talking like 20 miles below the speed limit. That's like, that's slow, y'all, all right? That's dangerous. And so I'm like, I'm going to pass this guy. And so I'm getting up and I'm realizing... Rise! I'm about to pass, uh, it was actually a couple people. Um, the line went from dotted to straight. But I can see really well. And, I, and there's no one coming. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a break for it. We had this, this rental car, which, you know, you rag out rental cars. You don't treat them like your own. <laughs> you know? And so I'm like, we're going to see what this baby can do. And so I start to rear up and, and get in the, the, the passing lane. And I just, all of a sudden, an overwhelming thought hits me, don't do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I pull back in. The second I pull back in, a huge semi comes right around the corner. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, thank you, Lord. I'm a sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for helping me not kill my entire family. On the the last day that we were down there... um, we, I, I love adventure, I love going and doing stuff, and, and, and usually uh, if something is somewhat dangerous, I'm like, ah, no big deal, right? It's, it's, it'll all work out, it's cool. I'm not, I'm not much of a worrier. So we go see these beautiful, this beautiful waterfall um, that was near to where we were staying, and it's gorgeous, man. I mean, it's, it's awesome, and, and we find out that there's this nature trail that you can t- take down to another waterfall that you can't get close to without taking this nature trail. And uh, it's about a mile hike, which is not a big deal. And then you have to wind down, and they let you go all the way near to the actual waterfall. It's just really cool. Well, we're discussing whether or not we're going to do it. We're actually vacationing with another family uh, from another city. And, um, and so everyone's like, we're going to go do it. Guys, i got to tell you, th- this is the kind of thing I love to do. And I just didn't feel right about it. Have you ever felt that before? You just don't. It's not fear. I wasn't afraid of it. I just didn't didn't feel right about it. And then when I said, Well, here's the deal I'll take the car, we'll drive down to the lower falls, we'll look from a distance, and, and we'll just hang out until the hikers get back. And my two youngest children stayed with me, and we did that, had a blast, took lots of pictures, all that good stuff. And. When they came back, you know, they were all pumped and excited about how wonderful it was. And, and I, I, I got to admit, you guys, I was jealous. That cramped my style. But at the same time, I had to trust that those feelings, that warning was from the Lord. Who knows what would have happened if we would have gone. And, and it's, it's, honestly, it's hard for me. For some of you, you're like, hey, I feel any caution. I don't go. That's not me, y'all. I want to go even if I feel caution. But the Lord was working on me and saying, look, you've got to learn to trust me. You've got to learn to hear my voice. You've got to learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I, di- I didn't go. I-, I struggled with the feelings of missing out. And then I said, Lord, you're good to me. Because you wouldn't have told me not to go if it wasn't in my best interest, if it wasn't in my family's best interest. And so we are all on a journey learning how to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. And just let me encourage you. If you think you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, even if it's something stupid like take a left here instead of going straight, just do it. I mean, What's the worst that can happen? Oh, I missed it. Okay, just like everyone else in the world. But at least you're trying. Right? Can you grow? You grow through trying, okay? So we've got to learn to, to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing: we build our faith and we believe God. We build our faith and we believe God for his protection. And look at Matthew. Matthew chapter eight. This is a story where Jesus is on a boat. This is not the water water walking story, okay? That's a different one. Jesus is already in the boat with the disciples. Verse 23 of Matthew 8. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Okay. Fierce storm. Okay. Like really bad storm. You're in a boat. It probably wasn't like a massive cruise ship. All right. It was a decent sized fishing boat. But waves are breaking into the boat. Okay. That's bad news. You don't want water in your boat. How many of you knew that? Yeah, okay, water in the boat, not a good idea. And so um, uh, it's suddenly this fear storm, and Jesus is sleeping. I love the disciples' reaction here. They were just dudes. They were just guys, okay? We, we think the disciples were these holy oh, people, and they were just guys. So the disciples went and woke Jesus up, shouting, yelling at Jesus. You ever yell at Jesus? Lord, save us. We're going to drown. One uh, one account of the story says, don't you even care that we're about to drown? (laughs) Have you ever said that to God? God, don't you even care? As if our compassion for ourselves is greater than his compassion for us. Verse 26, Jesus responded, why are you afraid? And you have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Our, our faith, our belief in God's ability to move on our behalf has everything to do with how much of God's divine protection we walk in. Romans 10.17 talks about building our faith. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You've heard that verse before, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, so let me just share something with you. This is my opinion. This is the book of First Jamie. There's no, there's no, there's no punctuation in the Greek language. If you see a period or a comma uh, or a semicolon or anything in your Bible, it was added by translators. It's not there in the original Greek manuscript. And I think sometimes, uh, honestly, I think they might have missed it a little bit. In the translation. The Greek's the inspired word of God. But you know sometimes it gets lost in translation. I believe this verse. The way it's meant to be read. Is not faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. That doesn't even make sense. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. What? I think it's supposed to be read. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. By the word of God. Hearing and hearing. Repetition. Over and over and over again, inundating yourself with the word of God is what builds faith in our lives. If you want to walk in protection and divine protection in your life, then you've got to inundate yourself. You've got to hear over and over, hearing and hearing about God the protector. If you feed yourself with the news cycle, the 24-7 news cycle that's filled with fear and unrest and all sorts of garbage, it's going to be hard for you to receive the protection of God because your mind hasn't been renewed to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Whatever you're hearing and hearing is what you're going to have faith in. Does that make sense? And so we've got to have faith in God's protective ability by hearing and hearing about God's protection. So we've got to build our faith and believe God. Look, if you're going through a situation right now that's really scary, that's really uncomfortable, maybe you're about to lose your house or maybe you're not so sure about your job and, and it's in trouble and you might get laid off. Look, believe God. Build your faith. And believe God, He's a good Father, He wants to take care of you, but you're going to have to renew your mind to His reality. What you think about God determines what you will expect from God. So we've got to change what we think about God. And we've got to make sure that it lines up with what His word says. Amen. Here's the next one. We're getting there. We're close. Walk in wisdom. The way that we can walk in divine protection is to walk in wisdom. Is to walk in such a way that we don't even need God's protection because God's preemptive strike against the work of the enemy is his wisdom. He will tip you off to what the enemy has planned and so we want to walk in that wisdom. Matthew chapter 4, verses 6. This is where Jesus is um, being tempted by the devil. Uh, and uh, he's, he's uh, let's see, yeah, Matthew 4, 6. And he's, uh, he's it, the devil begins to use scripture against Jesus. You know, the devil knows scripture too. He probably knows it better than most of us do. So you really need to pay attention to what scripture says. Verse 5, the devil took him to the highest holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, the devil quotes Psalm 91 that we already looked at this morning. He quotes it. He says, for the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. So the, so the devil takes Jesus up to this highest point and says, hey, he's asking him, are you really the Son of God? Are you really, are you really you know, uh, God incarnate, Jesus? Are you really God in the flesh? If so, here's a simple test. This is pretty reasonable. Here's a very simple test for you. Just throw yourself off the top, and then his angels are going to come and catch you. Just, just, just prove to me. If you prove to me, Jesus, that you're the Son of God in this way, then sure, I'll let you do your own thing, right? Verse 7, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. You know, we've got to walk in wisdom. As we're hearing the voice of God, we've got to walk in wisdom. Faith is not presumption. Faith is not deciding what I'm going to do and then God come bless it, please. Faith is finding out what God is doing and doing that and trusting that He is going to have His own way in our lives. See, God is good. But, and he, and he, God's good and He's going to protect you. His protection is a part of His salvation. But wouldn't it be better to walk in God's wisdom so that you don't get in a situation where you need God's protection? Wouldn't that be best? That would be best. First Peter 5.8 says, Satan goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we've got an enemy out there. We've got to use wisdom when it comes to that enemy. Guys, can I just share something with you really quickly before I move on? God, and this is kind of a harsh sounding, God can't bless Stupid. Because it would be a violation of who he is. If, if we do, most of the scriptures that we see about God's protection are him protecting us against the enemy, against the devil. We see some scriptures where he delivers us from our own folly and our own stupid decisions... But God can't bless stupid. He's a good father, and just like a good parent, you can't always bail your children out where they don't feel the consequences of their own decisions, or they'll grow up to be terrible people. And in the same way, many of us are crying out to God, Lord, why didn't you protect me? And he's like, you did this, man. You've got to feel the ramifications of your own decisions so you'll change. And God has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. He's given us our church family and our leaders to be there so that, so, so, that, so that we can learn wisdom. Because it's against his nature. He can't bless stupid. He can save you from stupid. But a good father allows his children to understand there are consequences to your decisions. So we've got to learn to walk in wisdom. Lastly, we've got to embrace the ultimate protection, eternal life. You know, God is so good to us. He is moving in this temporal, temporary life of ours. He is moving so that we might receive protection, so that we might uh, experience um, shalom, peace, and goodness. But you know what? No matter what happens on this earth, worst case scenario for the Christian is eternal bliss. Worst case scenario for a believer in Jesus is to spend eternity with him. First, First John 2, 24 says, So you must remain faithful to what you've been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship. Remember, it's all about relationship. It's all about fellowship. You remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life that he promised us. How many of you want eternal life? Yeah, absolutely. It's found in Jesus. There's no other way except through Jesus Christ. It's found in him. And and in, in this life, if you've gone through situations, you thought, why didn't God protect you? God is protecting you. He has already determined the ultimate outcome of your life, and that's eternal life with Jesus. The ultimate protection. And so we can embrace that. And we can know, look, things didn't go the way I expected them to. Things didn't work out the way I had planned. But in the, but in the end, God is protecting me through eternal life. This, this life is just a vapor. It's just a moment. But for eternity, we'll be in his presence and we'll be protected. And my question for you this morning is really simple. It's will you let God protect you? Because you have a role to play, don't you? You've got to learn to hear him. You've got to learn to walk in wisdom. You've got to develop your relationship. You've got to build your faith. These are the things that we have to do in order to experience divine protection. Will you let God protect you? Let's stand for prayer.